Amen. He's not only good, he's awesome. He's not only awesome, he's mighty. Amen. And any other adjective or adverb you can think of. He's special to me. Amen. The only regret I have in serving the Lord these last 30 plus years is that I didn't start sooner. And I had the opportunity and I didn't. But I thank God for his mercy and grace. He gave me the opportunity to change my mind. <laughs> he is the God of second chances. That's right. And third chances. and You know, he's not willing, the Bible says, that any should perish. But that all should come to repentance. That includes everybody in this room. You just don't repent once. <laughs> I don't. I gotta go before him every day and say, I don't, maybe I've done stuff I didn't realize I did, but I, I gotta repent of it, God, make sure, I gotta make sure. And I know the slate's clean. Amen? Amen. I don't wanna, I don't wanna miss heaven. But I don't wanna miss his will either. And heaven is his, is our reward, but his will is what we gotta do while we're down on this earth. Right? Great is your reward in heaven, right? The laborers in the field had to work first to get before they could get their reward, right? You got to go to work first, right? <laughs> they don't pay you ahead of time and then hope you come to work eight hours a day, five days a week, right? Employers are like that. <laughs> they want eight hours of work for eight hours of pay. Does that make sense? So it kind of makes sense that they kind of got that principle from God, didn't they? <laughs> if you think about it, so we're talking about, we're going to kind of, some some preachers say land this plane. We're going to kind of bring this thing to a close and pretty much cover, try to cover all of James chapter 5 today. But we're going to start off with the key scripture that we've been using throughout this this time that we've been talking about James, and that's found in James one twenty six and 27. If any man among you seem to be religious and bridleth not his tongue... But the Ziva of his own heart, this man's religion is vain. Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and the widow in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. There's a lot of people that are afflicted. And affliction is not just talking about like physical sickness and those kind of things. Being persecuted can be an affliction being ridiculed and mocked and all those kind of negative things that the world does, that we do to each other as human beings in this world. That could be, that could be being afflicted, right? If that's happening to you, do you feel afflicted? Yes. The answer is yes. Why does everybody, why is everybody always picking on me? That old Charlie Brown song, right? Right? Some of y'all don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> right? If you don't, just Google it. <laughs> Cause it's that song's out there somewhere. But amen, that's, so we gotta, we gotta, we gotta watch out for those people. That's what Jesus did. He went about doing good to everybody he ran into. He didn't judge them. 
he was he was saying those things about the Pharisees, but he really was loving them. He was calling them whited sepulchers, but he was really loving them. He wanted them to come, and some of them did. Right? The guy that buried him. Right? So some of them some of them got it. Right? So that was his prayer. That was his hope that somebody would hear. I don't know about you, but I want to hear. I want to be teachable. I want to have that that ability to hear what God's saying. Not just hear the words that are being read out of this book. Right? I could memorize this whole book, but if I don't have understanding of it, I'm just memorizing a book. Right? I can impress people with how many scriptures I can quote, but if I don't have understanding, I might as well memorize the dictionary. Right? It's about the same thing. So we're going to start off in James chapter 5. I'm going to read verses 1 through 6 starting out. James chapter 5, verses 1 through 6. And it reads as thus, Go to now. Now this is just to kind of step back a little bit. James wrote this letter to the church that he was responsible for. And so he was writing to fellow believers in this church, this congregation that he was responsible for, people that he had come up with in church, that he had had maybe trained some of them up and brought them up to be leaders, and, and others that he sat at meet and had fellowship. Because if you remember, the church wasn't, they weren't having church in a building, right? Not like this. They were having fellowship and things they were they were coming together in people's homes right that's how they were doing it because the church was the body of christ was still being persecuted by the jews and other people right so they couldn't go meet in a building that would just be like putting a target on their back right so they went from house to house so they were still meeting together like that and so this is james writing this final letter to the the body of believers so it's very personal so we need to, as we hear this, as we talk about this, we need to realize it's just like if <clears throat> if they all, once the letter arrived, they all met together in one place, and they the word got out that there's a we got a letter from James. Somebody had to physically deliver a scroll, probably, and so they all waited till they as many of them as could get there could get together, and they read that out loud, the whole letter without stopping, right? And uh, James knew a lot of those people. So as there, as the guy who was reading the letter was reading the letter, there was, I'm sure there were people out in the audience or whatever you want to call it that were feeling that because he was addressing a lot of different things, wasn't he? He was talking about the tongue and all this kind of stuff and, and all these you know, attitudes and everything. And, you know, it's just like when a preacher preaches and, you, and they start touching on an area where you're, where they start stepping on your toes a little bit. Anybody ever felt that before? I hope everybody has. I, I know I have. It's like, man, could you go somewhere else? Why are you hanging out on that? Man, that, my feet are starting to hurt, right? But that's God using a man of God to to get to get you to see. And so, he, imagine just to get it in your mind, this picture of he's reading this. this somebody's reading this letter from James, and it's touching everybody in the in the church. 
He's he's touching on that you might not be the one with the t- problem with your tongue, but when he gets to other parts of the letter, and then he starts kind of delving into your problems and your your issues, because he was dealing with a lot of issues in the body, right? So does it make sense that we kind of, as humans, have all those same issues in the body today? Nothing's different, right? Same yesterday, today, and forever. There's nothing new under the sun, right? It's just 2019 and not 19, you know, or whatever year that was. You know, it's not then. It's now, but we're still human. It's still the same flesh, still the same God, still the same spirit, still still everything's the same, right? We're just living in a different time. Okay. Go to now, ye rich men. Weep and howl for your your miseries that shall come upon you. Your riches are corrupted, and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver is cankered, and your and the and the rust of them shall be a witness against you, and shall eat your flesh as it were fire. You have heaped treasure together for the last days. Behold, the hire of the laborers who have reaped down your fields, which is in you, which is of you, kept back by fraud, crieth, and the cries of them which have reaped are entered into the ears of the Lord of the Sabbath. That's a really key scripture right there. Ye have lived in pleasure on the earth and been wanton. Ye have nourished your hearts as in the day of slaughter. Ye have condemned and killed the just, and he doth not resist you. How can he? Right? James, here in this letter... Remember, there's no chapters in James' letter. We didn't have chapters and verses in the Bible till 1200s and 1500s. So this is just a letter. It's prose. It's just a letter that James wrote. He had a certain style of writing. Just like if if you if I got enough letters from you, I would start seeing a certain style of the way you write. Right? Everybody has their own style of how they talk when they write. So if if you know how somebody talks, and you you can kind of pick that up and how they write, right? So James, there was a lot of feeling coming out, and there wasn't just—they weren't just reading a letter. This, there was feeling. They knew James personally, and so James is bringing this letter to his fellow believers. He's kind of, kind of lumping it all together, bringing it to a close, and he's he's hitting one more area, talking about the wealthy. You know, as I said already, he's covered quite a bit of ground in this letter, and so. And the letter's not just a scathing letter, is it? He brings up some points, doesn't he, about some areas that they need to work on? But then he also encourages them. You know, here here's the area that, that you have an issue with, but here's how you can fix that. Right? Don't just point out my failures. Help me have a, a way to, to, to help with that, right? Like I used to have, I've had employers say, don't come to the meeting with a problem without coming with a solution to the problem. Don't just come and start barking problems out. Yeah, boss, we got a problem with this and problem with that, and who's going to fix it? No, no, no. You bring a solution if you recognize a problem, right? So that's what James was doing. He's trying to help them, his fellow believers. I don't want to, he didn't want to hurt them. He didn't want to condemn them. He's trying to help them. So it's the body of Christ that he's trying to help, right? It's not his. Who's, whose body is it? Whose body is it? Yeah, 
It's okay to say something. <laughs> it's Jesus Christ's body. It sounds like to me in reading this that many of the Jews were enjoying, because he was primarily ministering to the Jews, right? It was a Jewish church. And so he was, sounds like many of them were, were having financial blessings. Anybody in here had financial blessing? Right? And where were their financial blessings originating from? The giver and keeper of all things, right? And so it sounds like some of them were letting their blessings and their flesh kind of come together and start, and they were kind of forgetting that their financial blessings weren't theirs, right? Because if you have financial blessings, it's not yours, is it? Right? Is your house yours? Not if you believe what, what we believe in this room today, right? Because it's not. You're a steward of it. So they forgot, apparently, as James wrote this letter, apparently they must be, he must have recognized some of them starting to have received financial blessings, and so they started letting it get to their head. And and so it started affecting their attitude. It sounds like James was getting very specific with regard to his audience. You know, like I was talking earlier, he was hitting on a lot of different things in his letter, and it was a, some of them were, that doesn't apply to me, but then some of them were like, whoa, 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 can we go to something else? Because it started hitting home, right? We're not all dealing with the exact same issues in life, are we? We all don't need the same exact treatment or whatever you want to call it for the things that we're dealing with in our flesh and in our life. Every one of us has issues. Every one of us has things that we're dealing with and God needs, God is able to deal and minister to those individual things very specifically, like a surgeon. So that's what James, I think, was trying to do. It, it sounds like those <clears throat> with the wealth and, and, and the status that came with the wealth was, right? Now there's some people in this world that have wealth and I'll I'll talk about my grandpa cuz he's not here and y'all don't know him anyway and my wife knew him he was a wealthy man he was wasn't he but you would have never known that you would have never known he was wealthy he lived he didn't live like a pauper but he just lived very plain he lived in a plain they they when they when they my mom and my uncle moved out of the house and got married. They sold their house and rented an apartment till the day they died. Why? This wasn't about stuff. And his, his big, my mom used to say his big thing was if he had two nickels in his pocket to rub together and you didn't, he'd give them to you. And that, I believe, is why he, he always had money. He was always giving it away. And we didn't know how much he was giving away until he passed away. And my mom was his executor, and she was bombarded with the, the Heart Association and all these places where he was giving his money away that nobody knew about. <laughs> she had to kind of tell them all, oh, back up. I'm not him, right? But that's he was handling his wealth in a very well, in very good, very well, right? You, it was very, he didn't, you didn't know it. By looking at him. And so, you know, these are things that James is saying we gotta be careful. When we, when some 
some blessings start coming our way that we don't start keeping that upon ourselves and saying, oh, looky what I got now. Man, I need one of these, and I need one of these, and, and I need one of these, and I need one of these. Oh, I need, I need one of these over here because I want because it's a status thing, right? We got to be careful. That's what James is saying. Be, he's warning them. These are some of his brethren. He's not coming down on them. So they were kind of forgotten, forgetting who they were. Right? So we got to be careful of that. And James actually talked about this in chapter four, verse one through five. He said, from whence come wars and fightings among you? See, there was things going on. There was friction in the body, right? We don't have that today, do we? Never, right? Never say never. Right? Come they not hence, even of, what does that say? Whose lust? So you you need to point at yourself when you say that, right there. My lusts, make it personal, that war in your members. What members? That's the body, right? Talking about the body. Ye lust and have not. Ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. You'll just push people out of the way to get what you want, right? That's what he's saying. You fight and war, yet you have not because you ask not. Because you're going about it all the wrong way. You ask and receive not because you ask amiss, that you may consume it upon yourselves. He's talking to the rich people right there. The adulterers and adulteresses, that in other words, the ones that were serving gods other than the one true God, the gods of money and wealth and all the status, are those gods? Those can be gods in your life, can't they? Whoso, know ye not that the friendship with of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever, therefore, will be a friend of the world is an enemy of God. Anybody, who wants to be an enemy of God? Not me. <laughs> There's one place in here where he talked about he would, like, get a host against you. you know, I don't want to go against God's army, do you? No way. I want to be on the Lord's side. Do you think that the Scripture saith in vain, the spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy? That's what these wealthy people were doing. They were letting the blessings and the wealth that God was blessing them with yet go to their head. So they weren't operating in the spirit then, were they? Right? What does that Scripture say? Walk in the spirit and you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh? Because it's there. But, you know, we, we walk with God and we pray every day and we keep that in check, don't we? Because it could rise up, couldn't it? Right? I, I know people that have served God 30 years plus and then turn around and walk away from God. And just go out there and just do everything they want to do. How, the, how does that happen? What What happened? Right? There, it was a relationship problem. They started losing their relationship with the one that saved them, that was blessing them with all that stuff, and they started creating a relationship with the stuff and the blessings, and they missed out with God. We don't want to get to that. That's what James is trying to help them understand with this letter. You know, Satan felt certain that he could get Job to curse God. As a matter of fact, he said it to God. Didn't he? Right? He's he's called what? The accuser 
of the brethren. And he would like nothing better than to persuade us as believers that we're doing okay and that we don't need to be to, to be humble and to repent. Wouldn't he? That's that's a dangerous place to be in, isn't it? To think that you oh, I got this now. I got it. Yeah. God, that's I got it. I I I know you filled me with the Holy Ghost and and you 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 put your name on me and but but you know I've been doing this for a while and I think I got it and, and if I need you I'll give you a holler. That's a dangerous place to be in because there's one other place in the Bible that says take heed. Was it what else does it say? Does anybody know? If you if you if you think you're standing, be careful because you're about to fall. It's not that I don't know it. I'm trying to get you all to interact. I know it. So this sounds like to me what this is what was happening to some of the people in the church. They weren't handling the blessings of God very well, and so he's trying to help them. Don't don't let yourself go down that road. Avoid that. He's trying to help them. Now, why do you think he's doing that? Why? I mean, he's concerned about their soul, right? He wants them to be saved. You know, above all else, we must be saved. But I think, I just think James was looking at the bigger picture, right? Because he was the half-brother of Jesus, wasn't he? So I think James was an apostle, and generally speaking, apostles are people that kind of sit up above, not not above everybody else in stature, but they see the bigger picture, right? They see way beyond the local assembly. And so I believe James was, throughout this whole letter, he was trying to promote God's kingdom. It's all about God's kingdom and moving the kingdom forward and adding to the kingdom. And, you know, such as we're being saved, the Bible says. The Lord added to the church such as we're being saved. Well, they weren't just being saved. He wasn't just going out there and tapping people. Okay, you're saved, you're saved, you're saved, you're saved. God wasn't doing that, was he? People were doing that as his representatives, right? So... What our response needs to be to the wealth and blessings of God needs to be, it, it really needs to be the, what Job really, however he really approached it. And Job said in the book of Job chapter 1 verse 20 to 22, it says, Then Job arose and rent his mantle and shaved his head and fell down upon the ground and worshiped. When did he do this? Right after he got like one report of bad news after another. This is right after Job lost everything. He lost his kids. He lost his camels. He lost his sheep. He lost everything. How would we respond to that? How would we respond to that? You know, people... People that that happens to today, some people end up in the asylum because they just totally lose their mind because they don't have any. They've had everything, and now they have nothing. 
And this is what Job did. And he said, naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return. We didn't bring any of this into this world with us, did we? And you're not, they're not burying a U-Haul next to your grave when you leave with all your money and your stuff in it. Sorry, somebody else is going to, your family's going to fight over it, <laughs> right? Anybody in here say amen? <laughs> that's, that's human nature. How come now I'm not in the will? You know, all that kind of stuff. He said, the Lord gave and the Lord hath taken away. So he's acknowledging what? It's all his. It's not mine. All those sheep weren't mine. All those cattle weren't mine. All those camels weren't mine. And even all my own kids weren't mine. They belong to him. And it's his business if he wants to take them. If that's what it takes for me to be saved, I'm inserting what I think Job is saying. I don't know if that's what it's actually saying. But if that's what it takes for me to be saved, God, then please take it. Does that make sense? In all this, Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. He didn't foolishly blame God for everything that just happened. And that's what we do. But God, I'm your favorite. Why are you letting this happen to me? Right? Right? I thought you loved me, God. I thought I was, I thought I was, uh, like Job, a man after your own heart. Why, why does this have to happen to me, God? Right? We don't say that, do we? I don't know if we, maybe we do. It sounds like the Jewish Christians had been blessed with wealth and had started treating some of their own fellow believers. Not only were they getting all haughty and lifted up in their wealth, but they were starting to treat their own fellow believers like they were just the underlings and the hired help. And it sounds like to me they weren't paying them. Right? They were living in the lap of luxury, and they were easily being swayed into believing that they had it all together now. I must be special to God because I have all this stuff. And so they... And James was trying to warn them to keep them from going down that road. Because James, once again, was looking at the bigger picture. we got to promote the kingdom of God. And we can't do that if we're busy looking at ourselves. You know, the old story about the turtle on the fence post? Anybody ever heard that? He didn't get there by himself. If you see a turtle on a fence post, you know he didn't get there by himself. Right? Because turtles can't climb. <laughs> I don't know if I needed to explain that to anybody, but <laughs> they don't get there by themselves. We didn't get to this point on our own laurels. We didn't, we didn't save ourselves, did we? Is this boring or is this okay? All right. James 5, 7 through 12. Jumping right into the next couple of verses here. Be patient, therefore, brethren. Under the coming of the Lord, behold, the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth, 
and hath long patience for it until the, he received the early and latter rain. Be ye also patient, establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. Trudge not one against another, brethren. He's already covered this in previous chapters and verses, right? Don't be, don't be prejudging your brethren, lest ye be condemned. By who? Behold, the judge standeth before the door. Who's he talking about? The judge. Capital T, capital H, capital E. Judge. Right? Take my brethren, the prophets. For example, take the prophets who have spoken in the name of the Lord for an example of suffering and affliction and patience. Basically, they said no more than what God told them to say, and they suffered affliction for that. But they were glad to do it. They, Jer- Jeremiah was told to buy a piece of property, and he spent 30 years in ministry and didn't save one soul. He would be a failure today in our in our world, right? But he wasn't a failure. He did exactly what God told him to do. It's God's business what the outcome is, right? Just do what God told you to do. He's responsible for the outcome. Behold, we count them happy which endure. Yeah, that, uh, right, Ezekiel, Jeremiah, yeah. We stand back and as a crowd and cheer them on. But when it comes to us having to go through that, now it's a different story. You've heard of the patience of Job. Here we go. And have seen the end of the, and have seen the end of the Lord. That the Lord is very pitiful and tender of tender mercy. He's merciful. He's a merciful God. He's not out to get us. He's not out to whoop us. But above all things, my brethren, swear not, neither by heaven, neither by earth, neither by any other oath. In other words, the earth is the Lord's. Don't swear by these things. You let your yea be nay and your nay, yea be yea and your nay be nay. Either say yes or no. You know, don't say I swear to him. I'm not going to say it. But we people say that today. Like they have to say that. You know, we, we, we have been saved and delivered by Almighty God. We don't have to swear by Him. We know who, in whom we have believed and is able to keep us that which have committed unto Him against that day. I don't know if I quoted that exactly right, but we, our confidence is in Him. We don't have to swear by Him. Hey, He's my God. That's all I need to know. Yes, no. Right? Take my brother in the prophet. Okay, I've already read that. But above all things, my brethren, swear not neither by heaven, neither by earth, neither by uh, any other oath. But let your yea be yea and your nay be nay, lest ye fall into condemnation. condemnation. I looked that word up, condemnation. It said it was meant hypocrisy or false pretense. Lest you fall into hypocrisy. Don't be a hypocrite. That, look up that word hypocrite. It, it talks about like being an actor. Like a Hollywood actor, their name is Tom Selleck, but they play this part. So they're not Tom Selleck anymore. They're this other part, right? They're pretending, right? That's what acting is, right? It's pretending to be somebody else. So don't be pretending to be something you're not. James is hearkening back to his discussion about the tongue, I believe, and about how we treat one another. It's really important how we treat one another. 
Think back over the other lessons. We've talked about that. It's really important what you say and how you say it. And sometimes it's important to just not say anything. Right? My dad used to say to me all the time and my brothers and sisters, it's better to be thought dumb than to speak and remove all doubt. (laughs) And I used to hate when he said that. (laughs) Like, was he calling me dumb or something? I didn't understand it till I got a little older. Yeah. I did. Because I found myself in those moments and I was, it was like it, the light came on. I was like, shouldn't open your mouth, Vince. I got an Article 15 in the Army over that. That's probably about the moment I started realizing this is what he meant. Shut up. Right. Anyway, so we got to be careful. You know, we're all in the same boat, so to speak, right? So if we're all in the same boat, we need to treat each other honorably and respectfully, right? Because we got, we're in the same boat. We're all headed to the same destination. We got to have respect and honor for one another in every area. Don't you want to be respected and treated with honor and respect? Don't you? Right? I do. Especially by my own brethren. Right? That's what Jesus did. He's our example. And James in one point referred to the second and great commandment, which is what? Love your neighbor as you love yourself. So you gotta go, to me that, to me what that says is I need to go look in the mirror and make sure I'm, I'm good with me. So that I can go love my brother. Yeah, I got to get it right with God and me first before I start walking out and start picking it, picking out every little thing my brother and my sister's doing. Right? You know, there's only one judge and we're not him. Right? James 5, 13 through 20. I'm going to try to get this done. Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Here's the answer. If you're going to use your tongue, Here's the answer right here. Let him pray. Is any merry? Let him sing psalms. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. If he have committed any sins, they shall be forgiven him. This is a hard one right here. Confess your faults one to another. And pray one for another that ye may be healed. Healed of what? Doesn't it's not talking about disease and sickness right there, is it? Talking about faults. <laughs> so we need to pray for one another. If you see your brother in a fault, I'm not going to quote that whole scripture, but you know where I'm going, right? We need to work it out. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. If you'll use your mouth and your tongue and your thoughts and all those things that James talked about up to this point to pray, you'll get a lot more done with prayer than you ever will do trying to be a busybody and get all up in somebody's business where you don't belong. You know, take it to God. 
I mean, when I see people in this world acting like the devil, I just my my first inclination sometimes is I want to judge them, right? And I have to remind myself that's a soul. Like I have to talk to myself. I don't. I'm the only one that does that. And I have to remind myself that's a soul that belongs to God, and He said all the souls are His. And so that I have to use that. I have to look at that as an opportunity to pray because I if I could have been that guy acting like an idiot. And I thankfully had somebody praying for me apparently because here I am. So we need to look. You know that's what he's talking about here. Here's how you deal with this stuff: pray. Elijah was a man subject to like passions as we are. And he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. So if Elijah can pray that it won't rain, and if he was a man of like, does that mean that we could pray and stop the weather? Huh? Do we have that kind of power? You know, if God tells you, you know, Ezekiel, he was a prophet, right? So he didn't say or do anything unless God told him to do it. So God had to have told him, pray that it won't rain. He had to trust that was God telling him that, and then he had to pray. He had to open his mouth and pray. And what did God do? He honored what he told him to do. So it doesn't mean that we can just willy-nilly say, I don't want it to snow this week. So I'm just going to pray. Matter of fact, I'm going to pray the whole winter away. No, we can't do that. It's, we can't do that. Some people would like to. but That's just silly, right? We laugh about that, but that's silly. But we don't have that kind of – he has to direct us to do something like that. Right? And he prayed again, and heaven gave rain. He's the best meteorologist I ever read about. <laughs> and the earth brought forth her fruit. Brethren, everybody say, that's me. If any of you do err from the truth, does that mean we might? He's talking to the church. And one convert him, let him know. That he which converteth a sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins that that person could have gotten into if you hadn't have pulled them back. Right? This is some pretty powerful stuff right here. I could go on and on, but I'm not going to. So to kind of put a lid on this whole bottle of James's letter, I would say that in a nutshell, James was writing this letter to his fellow believers, having been one of them. He was one of them up to the moment of his death. To admonish and encourage them to say, to stay faithful to the cause that each of them had, was ultimately called to. Right? The Great Commission, we call it. The growth and advancement of the kingdom of God. Right? He was telling them to be, capital B, capital E, to be the church. To be the extension of the founder of the church, who is Jesus Christ. Jesus told his disciples, what? 
I will build my church. Isn't that what he said? I'm not misquoting that, right? He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So did he tell us to build his church? No. He told his disciples, his 12, I will build my church. You just go. You go to the highways and the hedges. You go and compel them to come in. You go and make disciples. Let me worry about building the church. James wasn't telling them to have church. He was telling them to be the church. Isn't that what we are today? We are the church. We are the body, the ecclesia. That's the body of Christ. And he was encouraging them to avoid all these stated pitfalls, all this stuff. We could go back through the whole book of James and one by one, but you can do that on your own. And to avoid all these pitfalls that would keep them from their purpose and goal, which was twofold, to be saved and to be a part of the kingdom, to be a fruitful laborer in the kingdom, right? And so thus we come to the end of the book of James. I hope that was okay. Father, we love you today. We praise you and thank you for your goodness and mercy and grace. We thank you for your kindness, your generosity towards us, Lord. You're you're great and you're greatly to be praised. And I pray your blessing upon those that are within the sound of my voice today, that as we come back for the next part of this service, that we would uh, come together to create an atmosphere for you to operate in, that we would hear great and uh, powerful words from you through the, the pastor of this church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.